It's home day. It's Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. You can be as excited or not as excited about it being Wednesday, but I'm excited because we're on this podcast and we're having a great time. Welcome to another Strictly Stripes off-season edition. Muhammad Ahmad here with you with Andrew Gillis. Mike Nizek will be back at it on Thursday. We continue rounding up our positional previews across the defense. We've talked about the linebackers. We've talked about every side of the defensive line. And now we're going to move up north to the secondary. But specifically today, we're going to talk about the cornerbacks. We'll talk about the safeties later this week. But looking at the cornerbacks, um, simply put, they are going to have a lot of needs to fill because you have three unrestricted free agents this offseason uh, in the cornerback room. That's tied for the most with any other position on the defense because you have three safeties going into free agency, which we'll talk about. You have the three line, you have three linebackers going to free agency, but with the cornerbacks, you have Jalen Davis, Eli Apple, who we've talked a lot about. We'll get back to him in a bit. And then, of course, Trey Flowers. So, Andrew, right off the bat, and this might be kind of a loaded question, but you look at those three, and I don't think it's impossible for the Bengals to keep all three of them. I think it's very difficult, especially with the Flowers, which we'll talk about. But out of those three, who do you want to see stay? Who do you want to see go and why? You know, I, I think uh, I, I would probably bid adieu to, to Eli Apple. Um, you know, nothing against Eli, but, you know, Eli probably wants to start. Uh, he probably wants a place where he's going to see significant reps, and obviously you never know what could happen. But, uh, you know, you've got Camp Taylor-Britt and Shidobi Awuze, who we're going to talk about here soon. Uh, you got those two, presumably, you're starting outside corners. Mike Nickel or Mike Hilton is your nickel. Um those are your three. And, uh, you know, we've seen um, Dax Hill kind of move into a, a slot role if need be. But if you're going to play him at safety next year, I, I think, you know, as weird as it might sound, I think, honestly, I would probably lean towards re-signing Jalen Davis. Um, you know, even if it's a one-year deal, just kind of kick the can down the road. Uh, you know, I, I think you you really kind of need a Mike Hilton replacement. Um Zach Taylor was pretty high on Jalen Davis when um, uh, when he talked about him when Mike Hilton was injured. So I, I think if you keep a Jalen Davis, you you can kind of replace around the edges with the Trey Flowers and with an Eli Apple. So like if you had to replace one, or if you had to uh, only keep one, I would honestly choose Jalen Davis, um, just because I'm not sure. I think he's going to be cheap, and I think that Eli and and Trey Flowers would command a little bit more money. Uh, Eli is probably going to look for a starting role elsewhere. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if Trey does either. So I, I, I think that uh, that's kind of the guy because you don't want to be, you know, moving guys inside and out. It's a little bit like offensive line. It's a it's a it's a different type of feel. It's a different type of position if you're playing outside corner and inside corner. So you want to have that position kind of taken care of, and I, I think Jalen Davis would do that for you. Yeah, your basic corners are pretty much taken care of. You have uh, Jadobia Wuzier, who again is coming off of a very. Uh, Rough ACL injury, but then you have Cam Taylor-Britt, who we're going to talk about here in just a bit. Uh, but yeah, it's really that slot side, because you have Mike Hilton down for next year, but your other two slot corners, not named Dax Hill, who, like we said, and what we're going to talk about tomorrow is going to be a safety, is Jalen Davis and Trey Flowers. I think Davis you can keep for cheap. I mean, he's only really played like 34 games in the last three years. Um, he's played, you know, to where he's at 13 tackles. It doesn't sound like a lot, although in his defense, Zach Taylor has said, that he's one of the best cornerbacks you could find on any thirty-two, uh, any of the thirty-two teams on a fifty-three-man roster. So, you know, there's a reason why they took a chance on him. You know, when they signed him uh, as a free agent three years ago, 
even with how little he's played, it shows you the trust they have in him if they need him to step up. But, you know, there's concerns I have um, between Eli Apple and Trey Flowers. The most concerns I'd have are with Flowers because his market value, according to SpotTrack, is anywhere north of $11.5 million a year. To me, that's a lot of money for a guy like that. No disrespect to him. You know, in the year and a half he's been in Cincinnati when they got him off waivers in 2021, I think he's been fine. Um, you know, he's a slot corner who they've usually, as we've mentioned on this podcast, he's more of your uh, sub-package corner slot guy that you use on tight ends. So think of Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Cameron Bray, to name some of the guys he's gone against. I think he picked up steam in the second half of the year. I think he played really well against... Um, like I mentioned, Cameron Bray in uh, Tampa Bay, I think uh, he played really well against him, and he had an interception in that game. But look at you know the blown touchdown he had against Mark Andrews in Week Five in primetime. Big reason why they lost that game, among many, obviously. But you know his first half of the season was just very shaky, and I don't know if he played well enough in the second half to make it up. I think you know for what he's asking for or what his agent will probably negotiate for. That's a lot of money, and like someone like Logan Wilson is probably valued for about the same amount of money, and we're talking about extending him, locking him down. I'd much rather see that money go towards a similar contract for someone like Logan Wilson, who probably is worth more than the $10, $11 million, but like, you know, with where he's in his career, I think you could extend him for that much money. I don't know if you want to put that on someone like Trey Flowers, who, you know, in his defense could probably be a starter somewhere else. I don't know exactly where. I'd have to look down the list, but there's a lot of teams that could use a slot corner, and I think he'd fit in well. I mean, with Eli Apple, it just comes down to this. Number one, well, really three things, actually. I contradicted myself. Number one, I don't think the Bengals need him. I think they could hit somewhere else in free agency, which we'll talk about later in the show, because here's what really concerns me. He had the highest missed tackle percentage among all defenders just about over 12.5%. Uh, I think just like with Flowers, he played a better second half of the year, but I don't think it was good enough to where he can come back and be a starter. I think your starters are going to be Chadobia Wuzier and Cam Taylor. But does it mean the Bengals don't bring him back? No, but if I were the Bengals, I wouldn't because he's getting closer to 30. Um, he's very well respected in that locker room, and Lou Inarumo likes him. They have a lot of history together, but, I mean, it's a business at the end of the day. You know, friends or not, I don't know if, you know, you want to – spend all that money because he's worth over $11 million too. Like, do you want to keep, you know, a guy like that for that much money to only play a handful of snaps when you got Cam Taylor, Britt, and Chidobia Uzier? I don't know. I don't think you do. And I think that's where, yeah, Jalen Davis is the cheaper option. I think you got to let Trey Flowers and Eli Apple walk. And the third thing I was going to say about Apple, and I want to ask you this. Personally, I don't think he'll go to another team as a starter. Do you think he's still capable of being a starter in the NFL or am I being too harsh? Well, I think it depends. Um, you know, I think if you're if you're talking about a team that you know maybe has an elite corner uh, and they're they're kind of looking for a second guy, uh, I think. I mean, he's not going to go anywhere and be a, a number one. You know, shut it down. He's the guy. Um, you know, but I, I, I do think that um, you know I do think that it's a possibility for him to uh, to go somewhere and get some meaningful playing time. I just he in in Cincinnati. I think Cheeto was better than him. And you don't want to take away reps from a guy like Cam Taylor Britt. Exactly. Uh, and I'm not sure how often that you're really kind of putting a fourth corner on the field. Um, that, that to me, just doesn't really feel like uh, a situation that's going to present itself a lot. Um, you know, you're not going to go – you're not going to do you're, – you're just not going to do that where you add a guy like that. So – 
to me, I, I think I think Eli Apple could go somewhere and play. Um, you know, I think I don't know if it would be in a every down role, but I, you know, I, I absolutely think he could get some some playing time elsewhere because there. The, it, I just don't think it would work in Cincinnati. I agree. Yeah, I think he he did the best he could. They gave him a one year deal last year to prove himself. And again, I think he overall you could say he maybe did a little bit better than he did in year one. But like I said, he just was not consistent enough, and I think he's just aging to where you got Cam Taylor Britt. If you didn't have him and you wanted to draft someone like him this year, so basically whatever happened last year, like if that were to happen this year, I'd say, okay, bring him back on a one-year, let him prove himself. That already happened, been there, done that. I think you move on and you wish him well. The good thing for the Bengals, though, is going into this offseason, and granted it's because they have so many free agents in the secondary, right now they're spending only 23 Point three million ish dollars uh, against the cap with their secondary. That's almost half of what they spent last year, which was about forty-five mil, which was mostly because they had to put the franchise tag on Jesse Bates, which was about twelve million dollars. Which, by the way, they are eligible to tag him again, but don't expect that to happen because fifteen and a half million dollars, which I think is what the salary cap would be for Bates, or not salary cap, the franchise tag against salary cap that's a lot of money and i think we've already said before and we'll talk about more tomorrow i mean jesse bates is done as a bengal i think he's moving on uh and he could be going to the falcons because his agent had dinner with a couple other falcons players that he represents but again um i think because you have that room you can spend on other free agents and a big reason why you have that room andrew is because cam taylor Britt was a steal, literally and figuratively. Being a second-round pick, making the impact he had, even having after a you know a core injury uh, in the preseason and going into the first weeks of the year, you know his cap hit is going to be less than two million dollars on his remaining three years. Like that's really cheap. That's the reason why I think the Bengals have a little more room to spend in free agency and with the draft at the corner position. And like you said, he's a surefire starter. Uh, I don't think that's a guy you want to take reps away from. Is it too bold or too crazy to think that he could play at a Pro Bowl level next season? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you can – I think – I mean, if you're going to talk about a guy that's going to play at a Pro Bowl level, I think Chidobi Awuzie is that guy. Uh, obviously, health is a big thing with him. But uh, with, with Cam Taylor-Britt, I, I just – I don't know that he's going to rise to that level yet. Um, you know, he like I, I, one of the reasons that I really kind of liked him in, in the more that he played was he's freakishly athletic. He's got uh, great speed. He's got uh, great recovery speed. I think you saw that in the in the AFC divisional round when they played the Bills. He got beat deep by Gabe Davis and he had the speed to catch up and, and knock the ball away and prevent a big play. Like when you have that ability that kind of buys you a little bit of runway. It buys you a little bit of time um, because you you can do things. You can make mistakes that might kill another cornerback. Because if another cornerback's not as fast as you, uh, well, you're in trouble uh, if you make that same mistake because you you don't have that that recovery speed. So um, you know, I, I think Cam Taylor Brett. I think he was pretty clear that he got better. Uh, I don't I don't think at the beginning of the year he was he was great. Uh, I don't think he was like a, a liability. But he wasn't. He wasn't the. He wasn't what he was towards the end of the season. Um, you know, and I, and I would think that with a, with a full off season and uh, especially adding a guy like Chidobi Awuzie on the other side, I think that that helps him. So I, I, I think I, I'm high on Cam Taylor Britt moving forward. Uh, you have him for another three more years on a rookie deal, like you said. 
so Pro Bowls, Pro Bowls a stretch for me. I don't, I don't know if that's that feels a little too rose-colored glasses to me. But uh, you know, I think he's, I think he's going to evolve into a, a player that uh, kind of t- like we saw towards the end of the year. Yeah, I agree, and I think maybe not now. I don't think next year. I mean. Like you're asking him to basically be a Ahmad Sauce Garner who was an all pro and pro bowler and defensive rookie of the year. Like I think that's asking for a lot. I don't think it's unrealistic to think that he will get there though. I think if he can double the growth that he had in, you know, that short span in last season going into this season, I absolutely think that, you know, for his experience, he can be one of the best cornerbacks. Not overall, just for a guy who will have, you know, two years of experience, I think he would be one of the best corners in that class. Because really, I mean, the only other cornerback from his rookie year that was better is, like I just said his name, Ahmad Sauce Garner, which, again, you know, first-round pick, reason why he got all those honors I mentioned. I think the next guy with the best experience and talent after someone like that is Cam Taylor Britt. Um, but, you know, you talked about his athleticism, uh, his ability to stay foot for foot, with even some of the best, like, uh, you know, Mike Evans in Tampa Bay, and then in the playoffs, Stephon Diggs. You know, what else really stood out to you about Cam Taylor Britton? What separates him from other cornerbacks, regardless of experience, in your eyes? Well, I, mean, I, I think the number one thing that I, that I would say is that, uh, I mean, his speed. I know I just kind of mentioned it a lot, but um, not not a lot of corners have that, that level of, of athleticism. Um, you know, you kind of look at – you know, his size, he's not the biggest corner in the world. Um, you know, he's not like one of those guys that's like a Trey Flowers type or uh, the corner's name from Seattle, whose name I'm forgetting, who was a really good rookie. Uh, you know, he, he, you know, you mentioned that, um, um, that the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tariq Woolen. That's his name. Uh, there we go. Tariq, Tariq Woolen. He, he was probably, he was, he was probably, yeah, he was better than, he was better than Cam Taylor Britt. Um, it would like he and Sauce Gardner were, were the class of that rookie corner, but you know they got him. The Seahawks got him in the in the fifth round. He's a six four corner, so he, there's more than one way to skin a cat at the at the cornerback position. Uh, you don't have to be uh, you know super big. You don't have to be super super small and kind of play that slot. You can kind of do a couple different things. And I think the thing that makes Cam you know an NFL level player is is that athleticism. Um, and I mean, you gotta be some kind of confident at that position. He's obviously a really confident guy. And, uh, I think that as, like I said, as the year went on, when you start to, when you start to have the game slow down for you, when you start to understand things a little bit better, when you start to look at the moves that people make and, and kind of understand the game and, you know, the moves that receivers are going to make on you and things like that, 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 that just comes naturally and, then you pair that athleticism with it. So, uh, you know, there, there's just there's things that kind of you can learn, but the athleticism for now, it's it's that's what separates him. I almost forgot about Tariq Woolen, but at the same time, though, like you said, the kid's six four, the Seattle Seahawks corner Woolen, he's six four, and then I mean Taylor Britt didn't play the first four games of his season, and he was coming off an injury. So I think maybe I'm stretching when I say this. I think if he wasn't hurt and he played how he was playing at the end of the year, if he kind of like started playing like that at the beginning of the year, like, and then built on that, then you could put him in that conversation. But again, I think that's more of a what if type of situation. So I could be crazy for saying this, but man, if there was a top five Cam Taylor Brits, like quote story that either of us were doing, I mean, the number one quote that sticks out to me is when, you know, I forget who asked him this. I think it was Charlie Goldsmith from the Inquirer who asked him, you know, 
like what separates you kind of like, I just asked you what separates you. Like, you know, he asked him what separates you from other receivers. Like, what do you like to do differently against them? And he said, be physical. You know, they don't like it when you play soft or something along those lines, but he just basically said, Oh yeah, they don't like it. If you play physical, there's uh, you know, you got a tiptoe the line between, you know, cocky and confident. And I think he yeah, did Cam, just that. Cam for, for people listening that don't know, Cam is my favorite person to talk to in the locker room. Yeah. Um, I've never seen him not smile. Oh um, yeah. He laughs at everything. He's like like bubbly is probably like the way to describe it. Like he's smiling at everything. He's laughing at everything. He's got probably like the the happiest personality I've seen on the team. Uh but like some of the co- he's really funny. Like the one you mentioned that the I'll get, the one that I had stuck out to me was uh they were I remember it was I think it was the Panthers game. Uh, where they were, it was like 35 nothing at the end of the first half or whatever that was. And, uh, you know, I asked him, I was like, have you ever been in a game like that where, I mean, you guys really weren't on the field a lot? And he laughed and he goes, man, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but I played at Nebraska. So, no, I haven't. And I just thought that was really funny. Like, he's, he's, he's really, really, like, self-aware for, for a kid who's 23 years old. Uh, and, and I think that, um, I mean, obviously the confidence part is key to playing that position, but, uh, yeah, I mean, everything he, like, like you said, you can kind of run like a weekly cam. Here's what Cam Taylor Britt said this week. He's, he's a really, really entertaining guy to speak with. Yeah. I mean, that's just a taste of what we're going to get next year. And I'm actually looking forward to that, but I mean, that's a good one. Who, who was my favorite player to talk in the locker room? I'd say either Hayden Hurst or Hakeem Adeniji. I'd say Adeniji because... You know, I actually see him a lot outside of the stadium because we both go to the Islamic Center in northern Cincinnati. So I would see him in Khalid Kareem before he went to the Colts. But, you know, yeah, I would see Hakeem every Friday. So I feel like I already saw him a lot. And I think, you know, we just kind of got used to each other like that. And he's just a really chill, down-to-earth guy. But I really like Hayden Hurst because, you know, he's very big on mental health uh, and he's very vocal about it. And I've, you know, talked to him about it just on the side and, um, you know, actually just genuinely kind of learned from his experience. So I think that just by default, aside from him being a great guy, I think is just also why I enjoy talking to him. But when we come back, we're going to talk about another great guy in the Bengals locker room, Chidobi Awuzie, who we mentioned earlier in the show, his impact, his, his significance, what the future is like for him in the Bengals. Hey, there is Muhammad Ahmad from the Strictly Stripes podcast. podcast. You might be wondering, what exactly is Cincinnati Football Insider? Well, it's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the Strictly Stripes podcast and the reporters who cover the team. And that would be me, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nislik. It works like this. Andrew, Mike, and I will text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and our insights on the Bengals. It's the inside scoop on what we're hearing, and we'll give you the inside word before it even hits social media. Being an insider is the best way to participate with the podcast and get in on special events and Zoom calls with me, Mike, and Andrew. And the best part is you can text us directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of Facebook, Twitter, other social media, and avoid the trolls for just $4.99 a month. Still not sure? Well, just try it for two weeks, and if you don't like it, you can text the word STOP at any time, but you won't want to cancel once you join the community of hardcore Bengals fans. Here's the best way to get on board. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, or if it's easier, text 513-940-4193. It's a great time to try the two weeks free, as we'll be reporting live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis 
Plus, we'll be covering free agency on the way to the NFL Draft in April. Give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Just text this number again. It's 513-940-4193 and become an insider today. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we talked about this year's free agents, you know, the ascension of Cam Taylor Britt and where that fits in the grand scheme of things. But the other piece to the puzzle for the Bengals cornerback room is Jadobi Awuzie. We've talked about it. He suffered a season-ending ACL tear against Cleveland on Monday Night Football back in Week 8, and that's why Cam Taylor Britt leapfrogged into that role. Baptism by fire, if you want to call it that, among many things. But um, at the same time, though, if we do look a little bit ahead, he will be, uh, Awuzie will be a free agent going into 2024. Um, and maybe that's a talk more for next year as to whether you keep him or not. But if you think about it, I mean, this cap, it's going to be just shy of $8 million this coming season. Um, and again, you have a lot of cap space right now, even with you know Awuzie's $8 million being factored into that. you got a lot of cap space to work with next year. But that's going to be a lot tougher in 2024 when you know the cap hit from Joe Burrow's contract kicks in. If they extend Logan Wilson, which, you know, I think they should personally, and I'll be writing something about this on cleveland.com explaining why. I think if you do extend him and you extend T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, it, it just gets harder and harder where that's where the, the tough decisions kick in long term. But to kind of go back to the here and now, do you start planning for a future, Andrew, without Jadobia Uzier, Or is that a position you focus on in the draft? regardless of what happens to Cheeto, just given the fact that you could lose Trey Flowers and or Eli Apple, and maybe that's not an area you want to spend on in the free agency you know, sector. Where, where do you kind of plan for that in the grand scheme of things in the draft? Well, I mean, I'm a big draft guy as a whole. I mean, I've said it before. I, I would try to pick 10 to 12 times a year if I were every NFL team. Um, you know, I, I really think draft picks need, are, are not valued enough. I think teams need to trade back uh, more than they do. Uh, so I would be taking I, the draft route is the way that I would go. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, the, you know, I, I was kind of writing this today and um, this will go up later on our website. But, you know, one of the things that I was kind of looking at is I think corner might be a sneaky ad for for the Bengals because right now everybody's kind of looking at it. OK, well, maybe they need an offensive lineman, you know, that we talked about offensive tackle. And OK, well, maybe they could add a tight end. OK, well, what if Bichon's there? Like there, there's a lot right. of different, okay, well, what if, you know, maybe they take a linebacker if you're going to lose, you know, uh, uh, if you're going to lose Jermaine Pratt, like there, there's different things you can talk yourself into, but I look at cornerback and the game is a passing game. And what did I say the other day about linebackers? You need to rush the pat on defense. You need to rush the passer and you need to defend the pass. And the two ways you do that are pass rushers and cornerbacks. And yep. I think that uh, when you when you are looking at this list, it would be a cold day in hell if the Bengals draft a player <laughs> named Joey Porter Jr. Um, now I don't think they would because I don't think he'd be there. Uh, but Joey Porter Jr. is a top twenty player in the draft. He's a, he's a really really good corner. So if he's there, you really got to think about it. Um, but you know, I I, I kind of draw my attention to a guy like Keely Ringo at twenty eight. Um, you know, for if you don't know his name, he was the guy who he returned the uh, 
the interception for a touchdown against Alabama in the national title game that kind of won the game. It was that, you know, that big, exciting play. So oh, yeah. you know, he's obviously played on some great defenses. Uh, you know, he's a really talented player. He's, he's a little longer, too, at 6'2". So you can add him. Uh, a guy who kind of lit up the senior bowl, Julius Brents. Uh, he's, he's out of Kansas State. He's six foot four. Uh, wow. Decent speed. Um, I think he's like a four five, four six guy. So it's not, it's not great. Um, you know, you're you're not talking about a burner. You're not talking about like a Cam Taylor Britt guy. But when you're six four, you don't really need to be that. And like we were talking about, if you're going to let Trey Flowers go, I don't hate that as. You know, adding Julius yeah. Brents as as a guy who who can come in and, and because whoever you draft at corner, like the the Chidobi Awuzie stuff. I mean, he tore his ACL on on Halloween, so who knows what his return is going to be like? Uh, you know, he he didn't really give a lot uh, at breakdown day about what his return looks like, what his schedule looks like, what his training regiment looks like. Uh, so we're we're really not going to know until we talk to. Uh, Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor next week, and and maybe even later than that. But if he's able to go, you know, you can kind of do the thing that you plan for with Cam Taylor Britt, where you have a guy like Julius Brents play backup for a year, and then he can play your Trey Flowers role. Like to me, you can never have enough corners. You can never have enough pass rushers. So if you're going to draft a corner at 28, like if they pick Keely Ringo at 28, cool. Like if they pick Julius Julius Brents in round two, cool. Like there's there's really to me there's it's the it's the Mean Girls line. The limit does not exist. Like <laughs> you you can you can go into a year and have a ton of corners and a ton of pass rushers and and you should be fine with it. So you know there's a lot of interesting names and and I think kind of the you worry about getting too close to the painting to where you can't see the picture, but. If if you the more you look at it, the more you're like, eh, corner corner might not be the worst addition for the world for the Bengals. Yeah, talking about mean girls, maybe we'll, we'll change it to mean scouts because we're talking about football here. But yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned all those names, and by the way, it's not like Joey Porter Jr.'s dad happens to be you know a legendary linebacker who won a Super Bowl with the Steelers. I mean, you know, so I, I would say the apple definitely didn't fall far from the tree. Sarcasm, but you know, you mentioned all those names. Um, Brents was a good one. I didn't really think much about that until you talked about his size, which, by the way, Trey Flowers is at least documented to what we know is the tallest cornerback in the NFL. So you get a six foot four cornerback, no matter where Trey Flowers goes, that's going to be your tallest corner in the league because I guess, well, did you say Tariq Woolen was six four? I guess I contradicted Tariq myself. Woolen, yeah, they have him listed at six four as well. So I guess, okay, until this year, until this year, he was the tallest one. So. Sorry, Trey, you lost that distinction. But I mean, six three. I mean, you're still up there, especially if you want to get specific with like the quarter inches or whatever. But I mean, another name that sticks out to me, and I think I mentioned him when we talked about the Senior Bowl. I think Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois is uh, an interesting one. I mean, you look at his PFF stats; he had one of the best grades uh, on PFF as far as pass coverage and passer rating against opposing quarterbacks. And you know, people look at Illinois as a team that kind of a bottom feeder in the Big Ten, but that doesn't matter because, I mean, you have him, you have Chase Brown, uh, a potential running back candidate, and his brother who is a cornerback candidate as well. I think his brother, Sidney, if he's not a cornerback, I think he's a safety, but either way, he's a defensive back that's worth looking at. So there's a couple of Illinois fighting yeah, the line. I, I think would you say if, if, if Witherspoon is there, and if you're the Bengals, and you're sitting at 28, and Witherspoon is there, Take run. Him. Do not walk, run. 
to the podium with that card and, and take Witherspoon. Um, he's he's kind of being talked at. They're talked about as like a number one corner cornerback that's going to go in the top ten. So if he's there, sprint to the podium and take him, and then deal with whatever you got to deal with later. Do you take him over Michael Mayer if you don't have Hayden Hurst? Oh, easy, easy. Yeah, like uh, I you know, I like I think I think the I'm a big Mayer guy. I think the the comp for him, I. I think you could make a case that he's not going to be the best tight end, like uh, in terms of ceiling. I think you could say that he's not the best tight end in the class. I think that um, I think that you could say that Darnell Washington has a, has a higher ceiling. He's six foot yep. seven. He's more athletic. I think you could kind of make that case and say, like, look, if he hits, you're talking about like an Antonio Gates level player. Like, I could see that. But I just think that Mayer, you know what you're getting. I think he's going to be a good pro for a really long time. Um, Notre Dame is a program that produces tight ends. I think like every tight end, every week one starting tight end at Notre Dame since like 2002 has been drafted into the NFL. They produce tight ends really, really well. Um, You know what you're getting with Mayer. So that's a plus, but Witherspoon, like if if you get the chance to take a corner of that, that ability, you take him. Uh, I personally, I don't think he's going to fall like past like 12 but if he does, and some, I mean, it, it, like if he if he gets to like sixteen something like that, then you need to start having a conversation about trading up because he's he's going to really? be very very good, I think. Oh yeah, uh, and I'm not a trade up guy, as I just said. But Witherspoon is really really good, and adding a cornerback like that doesn't come along often, especially when you're talking about a guy like people are talking about him going like floor tenth to Philly. You know, he's a guy that uh, you really, really, really got to look at hard if if he starts to fall. But, yeah, I would be stunned if he's there at 28. Well, if you're talking about, like, a perfect offseason type uh, image and you're talking about the draft, I mean, you make a good case there because, like he kind of said, like, if whether you want to put him in the, the slot, which, by the way, he actually does play the slot as well. He doesn't just play man-to-man. He does play uh, as, a, as a nickel corner. You know, you want to put him in the slot for a year or, you know, like you said, with Chidobi Awuzie, if, you know, he's not ready by week one, which I wouldn't be shocked if he isn't, you could be starting Cam Taylor Britt. And again, this is in a world where you have Witherspoon. You could be starting both of them in week one until whenever Cheeto gets back. And then at that point, you kind of put him behind the slot again, like we mentioned. And then if Cheeto's not back, then that's your guy in 2024. That would not be a bad move. Um, and like you said, I mean, like if you need an offensive lineman or a tight end, I know offensive lineman is probably the bigger need for the Bengals. But like if you're in a situation like that where Witherspoon's really close to you and you can trade up, then just get an offensive lineman in the second or third round because um, I'll talk more about this kind of when you get closer to the combine. But I don't know that the Bengals will even get a home run hitting offensive lineman by that point in the draft, kind of like last year. I mean, there were no offensive linemen available for the Bengals at that point, so that's why they went with Dax Hill. On top of the Jesse Bates saga, I still think that that was the best option anyway because all the best linemen were taken like within the first 20, 25 picks, and the Bengals were like pick number 31. So, I mean, they're a little bit lower uh, in the first round, but it's the same scenario, I think, which we can talk more about. But I know you said you're more of a draft guy, but let's say, you know, before the draft even gets here, free agency opens up in a couple weeks, which is so hard to believe. 
three weeks to be exact. You know, the Bengals maybe want to hit free agency. Maybe they want to shop for, you know, that cornerback kind of like they did with Eli and Chidovia Uzier three years ago. They want to shop for that next person. You know, I look at some names, and they're not, like, eye-popping, but maybe you look at Isaiah Oliver, who played as a reserve in Atlanta. Uh, you got Anthony Averett, you know, Bradley Roby, who won a Super Bowl with the Broncos, you know, was just with the Saints. Uh, Trey Herndon, um, you know, a matter of fact, if you want to look inside the AFC North, I mean, if you want to get really cheap, A.J. Green, not the Bengals' A.J. Green, you know, the same cornerback, granted, who picked off Joe Burrow. So, I mean, if you can pick off Joe Burrow, that must say something. Um, maybe this is a stretch. I don't know if the Ravens keep him, but Kyle Fuller is also a free agent. Maybe the Bengals pursue him. I've seen a lot of talk about James Bradbury, who, of course, became infamous after his hold in the Super Bowl. Um, He's actually going to be a free agent. I don't know if the Bengals want to go after him because he might be a little more pricey since he just had a Pro Bowl year. But are there any names that I just mentioned or didn't mention that you think the Bengals could take a shot at in free agency for depth? Yeah, I mean, I, to me, I, I'd be looking towards the guys at the bottom of the list, um, you know, and admittedly, I mean, I don't know a ton about those guys just because I don't think you're adding a starting corner in free right. agency. Like, I don't think you're going after, like, Marcus Peters is a scheduled free agent. Bradley yeah, Roby, James Bradbury. Like, I, you're not going after those guys. You're not going, like, if Cam Sutton reaches free agency, you're not going after him. Like, I don't think you're going after those type of players. You know, you're going after the depth guys, the guys who you're going to need to play on special teams. So um, I think it, it like in the draft, it's a, it's a best player available thing. If, if, you know, if you're sitting there and Keely Ringo's there at 28 and you got him valued at 15, take him. Um, but in free agency, I don't care if you think that, you know, Marcus Peters is going to be really good next year. I, I just don't see that as a fit. Yeah, and I think that, you know, like you said, if you're going to get a cornerback in free agency, like you got to get cheap with it. I, again, mentioned that they have a lot of room to work with, but even if you get someone for like a million dollars a year, two million dollars a year, that's going to start to add up, especially once, you know, maybe, you know, if Bates leaves, they add, you know, another corner, I'm sorry, another safety for depth, and then, you know, it just all adds up. I think, you know, just because you have a lot of room with cap space in the secondary doesn't mean you want to eat all of it up. I think last year they were able to because they had the second highest cap hit in the secondary. But again, it's because you had a franchise tag and because Joe Burrow was not going to get locked down with a Brinks truck worth of money, which by the way, I saw a Brinks truck driving in Cincinnati. Someone posted it on Twitter and they're like, oh, Joe Burrow's contract money is that's here. Fine. And who knows? I mean, whether that's his money or not, like he's going to get a Brinks truck. So don't think that the secondary will get just as much. I think, you know, you have to be conservative in that aspect. You don't want to break the bank too much there. And again, like A.J. Green could be someone really cheap. Isaiah Oliver could be someone cheap. He's already played as a reserve. But, you know, like the Bradberries, the Robies, I think those guys you want to stay away from because, you know, they're going to ask for a lot of money. I mean, if you don't want to pay Eli Apple $11 million or Trey Flowers $11 million, I still don't think you want to pay those guys half of that. Like, even if you want to pay Bradley Roby half of the ten million he made last year, I don't think it's worth it because that guy is way out of his prime, and it's been like what eight years since he won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, um, and he really hasn't been anything flashy since then. You know, even though he played in Houston and New Orleans, so I think you just got to get cheap. I mean, who knows? Maybe there's some other names on the list that they try to go for, but um, really, I just think that that's one of those positions where be cheap, like. You know, like kind of like how they got Jalen Davis, you know, three years ago. Like I, I'd imagine them getting like Jalen Davis, but for, you know, someone to be behind Cam Taylor, Britt or Cheeto or ironically behind Mike Hilton because you're probably going to lose Trey Flowers. So 
think, yeah, with a secondary, at least with the cornerbacks, get cheap in free agency, but be the opposite in the draft. Be aggressive, especially if Devin Witherspoon is there because, like Andrew said, that, that's a guy that you trade up for, and Andrew doesn't even trade up. If he's a GM of a team, up. That- trading up, Trading up is bad. Uh, unless you are going to get a quarterback, trading up is bad. Oh, yeah. Well, Andrew, the funny thing is we've talked so much about Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, the number one priority, the extension for Joe Burrow. Guess what? Joe Burrow's contract extension was not the first move the Bengals made re-signing a player because they re-signed Cal Adamitis. So I guess Joe All Burrow is just not – They got the long snapper. They got the long snapper, I guess. They're long snappers because they're important until you realize you don't have one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess, yeah, Joe Burrow is uh, not the priority. It's Cal Adamitis. (laughs) But in all seriousness, good for him. He deserves it. Um, I mean, to do what he did, playing 15 games in the regular season, all three playoff games, getting a game ball in Buffalo, it's well-deserved. And I think um, we'll talk more about uh, the special teams on Friday because, you know, you saved the best for last in our roundup. I mean, at this point, like, I think Clark Harris, him being a free agent, I think they're going to move on from him, stick with Cal. He had a great run the last 14 years in Cincinnati, but just like with Kevin Huber, who they did not keep after the 2022 season, I think you do the same with Clark Harris. So uh, I guess, yeah, I wanted to maybe save that for last. Congrats, Cal Adaminus. But Joe Burrow, your time is coming soon. Don't worry. You're going to get your fair share as well. Well, stay tuned because tomorrow we're going to continue the secondary talk, this time shifting into the safety position talking about the likelihood of Vaughn Bell staying, more about what it means to lose Jesse Bates, which is uh, inevitable at this point, and much, much more on that side of the defense. But once again, for myself and Andrew Gillis, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Catch you Thursday. Enjoy the rest of your hump day.